1: Crisis. Resilience. Geopolitics. Welcome. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, and our 2023 year-end show. Always excited to do this one. we got a lot planned for this hour. Let's get going. I'm Danny Clayton. Dr. Brian Jacobson is our Chief Economist. Great to be here. And Dave Spano, President and CEO of Annex Wealth Management.
2: Yeah, thanks, Danny. This is going to be fun, folks. You're going to forget that some of this stuff happened in 2023. It was certainly... An interesting ride throughout the year, and let's try to fly through some stuff. For folks, we're going to do this over not only this segment, but the next. Uh, and you think about what has happened, and you really have to start with really the bank crisis mm-hmm. that started early in the year. And sometimes you go, wait, man, that was this year already?
3: I know. I was just thinking about that as far as it felt like it was almost a couple years ago. But we did start with the financial crisis, a mini crisis, where Silicon Valley Bank, that was the big one that, that ended up failing because they had had a lot of depositors from these private equity-sponsored companies who, you know, they're in a close community and they got a little worried about the balance sheet health of that bank, and so they just pulled their money out rather abruptly. Right. And modern-day
2: bank run. It
3: was exactly at that point. It was called Twitter, I think, before right. they changed the, the name X. to X. Right. Uh, but yeah, my question driven
2: yeah, but if it's Twitter and now it's X, are you Xing? Or are you twittering? You're I tweeting. Don't even You're, still You're still tweeting. Still tweeting? <laughs> <All>
3: right, <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't quite figured that one out yet. Uh, it's probably best that I stay off of Twitter because I have lots of opinions that I probably shouldn't <laughs> share. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was a modern day bankrupt. And that's a great way to put it. The Fed stepped in along with the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation to make sure that depositors were taken care of. And actually interestingly, every press conference that Chair Powell has had <laughs> since then, he has really come out and said our banking system is healthy. He wants to really reiterate that this was unique and specified and localized to those banks.
2: Yeah, kind of like the Jimmy Stewart in It's a Wonderful Life, folks. You know, <laughs> When he was having a bank run, of course, that movie was just on for Christmas. And, of course, then we moved right into really the dominant conversation, which was AI and chat GPT. It was a term that most people have never heard before.
3: It was, and that was really fascinating as far as how Microsoft made a big investment in open AI as far as with this chat GPT, so these large language models using artificial intelligence intelligence, where, you know, artificial intelligence has been around for a very long time, but it was really exciting as far as some of the breakthroughs that were made to make it more accessible. And, you know, I use ChatGPT pretty frequently. I view it as a nice um, research assistant, basically. It's kind of like having a graduate assistant to help you out with right. summarizing different things. But uh, well, that's really, good for
2: you as a PhD. You know, a professor, <laughs> for me, I've never had such a thing. Well, I, get, I get the point.
3: Yeah, but no, like NVIDIA, that was I think the big story as far as when they released their earnings and they were a blowout earnings report. And it was on the back of a previous quarter where they really disappointed. So they went from disappointment to really something exceptional. And that got a lot of people excited about this isn't just going to have a payoff over the course of a decade. It could be a payoff over the course of months or quarters. And so that really set off the Magnificent Seven having a tremendous start to the year.
2: And not only was it a tremendous start, but it really carried some the performance of a lot of these indexes throughout the year including the S&P and the Nasdaq.
3: It did. The concentration was a big topic of conversation. I kind of break up the year into three different parts and we'll obviously be getting into all of those, but the first part of the year driven by those seven large stocks really based on expectations for growth from artificial intelligence and then it left a lot of the other companies and stocks behind. If you think about the bank in Index that was down forty percent,
2: mm-hmm.
3: while the Nasdaq was rallying about something equivalent.
2: And you talk about not only the big stories of the year, but you really can't get away from it in what Taylor Swift really did. I know that you uh, you know you're a big fan of uh, Swiftie, you know. And yeah, all
3: yeah. I'm wearing the t-shirt. You're yeah. wearing the
2: t-shirt, but uh, <laughs> that her tour throughout the year made an economic impact.
3: It did, yeah. So around the same time that we had that Silicon Valley Bank uh, filing for bankruptcy, basically, she was starting her tour and it carried through the summer and it was really surprising about how many people were attending that and the economic effect that it had on the communities that she visited. It showed up in the GDP data as far as the just surge in services spending which is related to travel, tourism, and concerts.
1: It's our year in review. Dr. Brian Jacobson, Dave Spano, continue on the rest of the show. It's New Year's weekend, definitely in resolution season How about doing one that's legit, one that you're going to be glad you made? Let's get your plan together in place for 2024 and beyond, and we're going to help. takes just a couple of minutes to start. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. More to come on our year in review show. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're going to be right back, 92.5 Fox News. Headlines, texts, emails, the TV, the computer, the phone, even your smartwatch. Every day, market volatility can lead to anxiety and planning paralysis. No surprise, Americans report being stressed about their investment and retirement plans. Turn down the media roar. Dial up the planning. Put Annex Wealth Management on your side for investment and retirement guidance that includes tax and estate planning. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Know the difference with a fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, our 2023 year end show. Dr. Brian Jacobson's in the studio. He is our chief economist. Dave president, CEO.
2: Yeah, thanks, Danny. You know, we're doing a recap, and of course, some of the big stories that we covered in the last segment from Silicon Valley Bank, the introduction of ChatGPT and Taylor Swift. And that was still in the beginning of the year. We haven't even moved to the second half of the year. <laughs> so we're going to have to move a little quicker. And of course, one of the big announcements was in May of this year when Dr. Brian Jacobson, joined the team. Boom, dropped the mic right there. But of course, that was a big story. Thanks for, for joining us. But you know, weight loss drugs were, yeah. were a big story. Of course, you don't need them, but uh, <laughs> they were a big story. Drove the performance of Lily, for example, up 50%. But then the the bank story continued with J.P. Morgan buying First Republic.
3: Yeah, that was really fascinating that J.P. Morgan had to step in and buy First Republic because back during the financial crisis, I actually remember St. Patrick's Day 2008, that's when J.P. Morgan bought Bear Stearns. And so it was like they kind of stepped up again. And you did have this phenomenon in the banking sector where J.P. Morgan really sucked a lot of deposits from these small regional banks. And I think that was really one of the lingering concerns for the balance of the year was whether or not the deposits coming out of these smaller regional banks going to places like JP Morgan and to money market funds where you could get significantly more interest, if that was going to really serve as a break on growth, seeing a type of credit crunch. And so at the beginning of the year, people were worried about a recession. And then it almost seemed like, well, maybe this is going to be the catalyst to a recession that never actually happened.
2: But then Janet Yellen and the rest said, you know, we will stand behind them. And actually backstopped a lot of the banks, and of course that kind of went aside, but then a big story came, and of course Hollywood went on strike, and uh, <laughs> where's, when's Yellowstone coming back were all of the concern, oh, but no. really a lot of those stocks did get tanked.
3: It really did, yeah. And actually, the strikes, uh, the writer's strike, the actors joining together, and then eventually we had the United Auto Workers strike as well. There was a lot of discussion around whether or not labor was going to be a big issue going forward as far, and what does that mean for profit margins? Were people going to be demanding higher wage increases, eating into profit margins, and then that would be a headwind for the markets? But that was a fear that never really materialized because, yes, workers did get Higher wage increases, but it wasn't anything inordinate. It was actually something that seemed somewhat justified when you look at well, productivity sure growth. Yeah,
2: I know, but there was a lot of talk, you'll remember, about the UPS and everything, yeah. and FedEx and the rest of those companies. So we went from strikes. Everybody was talking about from strikes to hikes.
3: <laughs> That's right. Yes. So from strikes to the Fed rate hikes, thankfully, Chair Powell had the what we call the Powell pause at the end of July and nobody really believed that it was a pause I mean we did when we were talking about it on our investment committee thinking that the Fed had gone far enough with the rate hikes economic numbers were showing signs of fatigue not necessarily dipping into a recession inflation was falling we had gone from 6.1% inflation at the beginning of the year to ending at something closer to 3% so a lot of progress had been made and the Fed could justify a pause and that's what we had at the end of July but one of the most memorable things to me was when the Treasury came out and they announced that they were going to be issuing a lot more debt than people were expecting because we crossed $33 trillion for the national debt. And all of a sudden you saw interest rates go from below 4% on the 10-year Treasury to above 5%. Mortgage rates go up to 8%. And so it almost looked like we were going to have a repeat of 2022 with a bond bear market. But thankfully, that was something that it was very short-lived. And
2: those are the two big stories right there. Of course, not only was inflation at six beginning of the year, but in the middle of the year previous, it was 9%. Yes. And this yep. last reading showed 0.1% for PCE. So that's really an annualized number somewhere in the neighborhood of 2%. So they're kind of at the target, which then of course drove the bond market and that catalyst drove the stock market.
3: Yes, that's right. Yeah. It's wonderful how this is all interconnected through these big stories where you had inflation going from 9% in 2022. We're getting close to the Fed's target, the Fed being on pause and interest rates coming down, fueling the market rally. So that's really, it's almost like this year where it's uh, all's well that ends well (laughs) as far as the rally. It really broadened as well, which I think is kind of an important thing. It went from being very narrow to much broader.
2: And it's going to really set up the story for 2024, which we're going to do at the end of the hour.
3: Looking
1: forward to it. This is our year-end show. How about putting things in order for 2024 and beyond? This would be the weekend to suggest it. a resolution it's a great way to start new year annexwealth.com click that get started button coming up next our most popular segment of 2023 hands down this is money talk the annex wealth management show 92.5 fox news
4: losing sleep lately the job the house the headlines or investments how about the feeling your investment partner isn't a partner at all they might be operating in someone's best interest but that someone isn't you It's time for Annex Wealth Management. It's easy. Head to AnnexWealth.com, click the Get Started button. We work in your best interest as a fiduciary. That commitment runs so deep, we put it in writing. Does your advisor do that? Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Start at AnnexWealth.com.
1: Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management, Brandon Lehman, Director of Annex Private Client. Welcome back. Danny. Well, let's start there. What's the best way to describe Annex Private
5: Client? It's a part of Annex that really caters to the high net worth complex situations that have a lot of moving parts. One way I like to think about it is integrating the tax with the estate, which we do at Annex, right across Annex, but this gets to levels where we're worried about estate taxes, where we're worried about how does this flow generationally, philanthropically? How does this all work together? And that's where Annex Private Client really comes into play.
1: You are the right person to talk about this. According to Fidelity's Millionaire Outlook study, 82% of millionaires are self-made easy to think the wrong way about high net worth individuals and families. Plenty of myths we're going to talk about for some insight. In your role with Annex Private Client, you might have heard some of this frustration firsthand. The first millionaire myth is, if you got a high salary, you are set for life.
5: Yeah, so that is a huge myth on multiple levels. But the first and foremost is what we've noticed, and it's not all people, but people tend to grow into their income. So the key to this, the key to make that millionaire status, right, is savings. What you see from incredibly successful people people is this laser focus on savings. They might make a lot, but they sure save a lot. And it's not just 401K. They look at 401K as, yes, it's that tax advantaged opportunity to save, but no, we're doing a lot more savings somewhere else inside of an opportunity to grow so they can reach those early retirement goals.
1: Millionaire myth number two, it's all luck. And let me tell you, blood, sweat, tears, right? It is
5: all about how much they pour into their lives. Let me take a step back. What I mean by that is a lot of these millionaires are actually business owners and it's blood, sweat, and tears of 10, 20, 30, 40, in some instances, 50 years of pouring their souls into their business and eventually coming out of it With a million or more dollars, but it's taken years. It's sleepless nights. It's stress. It's hard. It's travel. All of that is poured into this. So when you see the end game, what you don't see is just like an iceberg, all of that stuff under the water that they had to pour into it to make it successful.
1: Millionaire myth number three, got to make all your money before you retire.
5: Well, see, that leads to the business owner thing again, because that's so not true. What you tend to see is, yes, they might cash flow really well right before retirement, but really, it's after retirement, quote-unquote, is all defined and all relative on what you want to do. But when they sell that business, when they finally monetize all that hard work of 20, 30, or 40 years...
1: Brandon Lehman, director of Annex Private Client, and offering from Annex for clients with high net worth and complex challenges that come along with that. Millionaire myth number four you got to have a fancy college degree.
5: To be fair, a lot of folks do have degrees, but is it fancy? Typically not. Is it high-end? Typically not. It's the will and the drive to build a successful business and focus on that and put all your heart and soul into building something successful. That is how they reach these levels. That is how folks have gone from nothing, in some instances, literally nothing, to multi-million dollars because blood, sweat, and tears that they just did year over year over year. Now, yes, college helped in some instances, but some of these folks didn't go to school. I, I can think about easily a handful of folks that I know that have become incredibly wealthy that didn't end up going to college.
1: Millionaire myth number five, they work for big banks, law firms, and tech
5: companies. Well, I think this ties right back into myth number four, which is just they tend to be business owners. The vast majority of millionaires, 66% actually, are individual business owners. They started something or purchased something. Think about this in the aspect that it started from scratch. Sometimes they take a huge risk and go out and buy another business that was maybe doing okay, and then they've turned it into something just incredible. And again, A handful of those I've seen just this year where they bought something that was doing well. And over the course of 9, 10, 20 years, turn it into something that was unbelievably
1: successful. Millionaire myth number six, success comes easily and early. I
5: think I've said it all along. It's blood, sweat, and tears. One, it doesn't come early because you have to put in the work. Yes, maybe there's some luck there that somehow it happened. But in reality, it's hard work day in and day out. It's grinding. It's putting in the effort. And then eventually... It pays off. Sometimes it pays off really early if you're lucky. But in reality, it it takes a long time to build this. But the hardest thing that you start to see, which I think dives into kind of our last myth, is they don't ever get out of it because they don't know what to do after it.
1: Myth seven is they don't have anything to worry about. And really, the next one is they got their future all figured out.
5: That's not true. Yeah. So both of those are definitely not true. When you think about one, they have a lot to worry about because when we talk business owners might support more than just their family. It might support 10, 20, 30, 150 other families. That weighs on their mind all the time is the decision they're making, right? Not just for them, but for everybody else that relies on that company. The second thing is, do they have it all figured out? Absolutely not. That is why they come to us because they are really good at what they do. Incredibly successful but do they understand how their decisions, their tax choices, their estate choices impact all of that? That's where we come into play when you look at the wealth strategist team we have at Annex Private Client to really factor all that in laser focused and help build really what is next and to make sure that myth number seven and myth number eight, they don't have anything to worry about and they got it all figured out. That's our job to help them get through that.
1: No matter where you're at, there's a logical entry point to work with Annex. There's Annex Ignite, Annex Comprehensive Wealth, Annex Private Client. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Brandon Lehman, Director of Annex Private Client. Thanks for jumping on. Danny? In a recent study, over one-third of millionaires predicted their ability to feel financially secure in retirement is going to take a miracle. At Annex Wealth Management, we believe a plan, not a miracle, will help increase your retirement confidence. Our team of experts gets to work using leading-edge technology to build a comprehensive plan covering investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. And Annex doesn't have products to push with hidden fees or commissions. There's too much of that already. More planning, less miracles. Build confidence with Annex Wealth Management. Annexwealth.com. Time for Ask Annex. As always, got a question for us. You head to the website, Annexwealth.com. Look for the Ask tab in the studio with us today. Fred Coleman, a CFP and a Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome. Danny. And we got Matt Morrissey, Investment Team Manager, also a CFP. Good to see you. Hey, Danny. Good to see you as well. Question number one. If the S&P 500 is at or near a record high, wouldn't this be the worst time to invest
6: in it? Yeah, not necessarily. And I kind of say this first part a little with a little bit of glib, but in order for something to be at an all-time high, it has to pass up at all-time high. So if your stock or anything is at an all-time high today and it's up, that means yesterday was probably an all-time high and would have been a good time to buy because you're up today. Obviously very short term with that thought process. But what I would look at it is that you tend to see a lot of trends in that. So if an S&P is going to hit an all-time high, a lot of times, in certain years, you're going to see a lot of them kind of in a row or in a short time period. So there's usually a lot of momentum behind that that's pushing it up to those all time highs. What I would really be concerned about, though, is what's the valuation of that stock or that industry and how does that relate to what it has been in the past? So when you look at something like the S&P 500, a lot of times you look at a P.E. ratio and you can see where it is today and you can look to see what is their long term average. Is it elevated today? Is it normal today or is it under? It could even be underpriced from a valuation standpoint? And then i would look at why is that the case and what do you see about it going forward price is one thing but the value that you're getting getting into that industry or that stock is another thing and i wouldn't let an all-time high stop you from getting into it because it likely will lead to other ones
1: okay question two on ask annex if i have a regular schedule of dca investments about the same time each month would it be even more efficient to pick down days in my investment time zone that hopefully maximize my average cost
6: yeah, it depends in my mind in terms of what you're trying to do and what your end goal what that is. One reason to DCA, especially if you're controlling yourself, is to let the emotion out of it. And we should
1: probably explain DCA.
6: Yeah, great point, Danny. DCA stands for dollar cost averaging. Most people would think of it as something they do like in their 401k. They get money coming in every 2 weeks or twice a month from their paycheck and it's averaging into the market or maybe you have a block of money that you're putting in and you're doing the same amount on a regular basis. From this standpoint of trying to time it on down days, what I would really try to stay away from is letting your emotion decide that because if you're going to try to, to put in more when it's down or speed it up when it's down, are you going to do the opposite effect if it's up during the month? Are you not going to put that money in because now it's up and you're not getting as good of a price on it? But theoretically, it's a process that I would like if you keep your emotion out of it. For instance, on previous ask annexes, you know, we've talked about having a schedule and if the market pulls back a certain amount and having a predecided amount, let's say 5% for the conversation, s and is down 5%. Now I'm going to do this month's early and I'm going to pull that month forward. So if you take the emotion out, you have set rules that you're going to go through. I think it's a great idea, but if you're doing it because you think you're going to time it, if you think you're going to, you know, you're going to play with it, I would stay away.
7: Yeah, and that's one of the things that I see a lot is what makes the 401k such a great investment. It's not necessarily the investment options, but it's just the consistency and the discipline that people exhibit within those 401ks. Don't try to time. You put a certain amount in at the beginning of the month or at the end of every paycheck, and you'll see a lot of people who build millions of dollars in their 401k just because of that consistency and discipline.
1: Speaking of 401k, question number three on Ask Annex. I left the job at the beginning of December after 15 years. I was active in the 401k. The plan is to work for myself in 2024. Can I use my current 401k as
7: a self-employed person? No. 401k <laughs> plans are company-specific and all the contributions have to come from payroll deductions. So you'll likely need to find another option. But the good news is there's a lot of different options for self-employed individuals. First off, with your old 401k, you can roll that into an IRA, so individual retirement account if you would like, and you can continue to build off of that current balance. That'll also give you more investment options than you have within your 401k. But there's other options for self-employed individuals like SEP IRAs, Simple IRAs, solo 401ks and those plans are designed specifically for someone in your situation
1: as a matter of fact i think you and i did a segment on if you don't have a 401k what you can do we did we did yep you can find that on the annex wealth management youtube channel all right got a quick answer on this one i have 34 positions in my portfolio etf stocks mutual funds i've been told this is too many i feel it's diversified what do you think
6: 34 is certainly a lot. I would say it depends on what they are. If they're individual stocks and that's all that it is, you're probably okay. Generally, a diversified portfolio of individual equities is 20, 30, 40, kind of on that smaller end. Um, anything more than that, you might start to get a little over-diversified. If it's ETS and mutual funds, those things are already diversified within it. So depending on the mix you have, you might just be replicating yourself over and over and over again. For instance, out of those 34, three of them might be S&P 500 funds. And then in case you have the identical investment just in three different chassis.
7: When you have a portfolio, the positions are meant to complement each other. Each position should play a specific role. Like Matt said, if you may have a tech ETF and then a bunch of individual tech stocks. So those don't necessarily complement each other. And it also depends on your individual goals and time horizon. Fred Coleman, CFP, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks. Thanks, Danny. Matt Moore is the Investment Team Manager. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Happy New Year's, guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. All right. Supporting adult children, it is a slippery slope. We'll talk about it next on 92.5 Fox News. Headlines, texts, emails, the TV, the computer, the phone, even your smartwatch. Every day, market volatility can lead to anxiety and planning paralysis. No surprise, Americans report being stressed about their investment and retirement plans. Turn down the media roar. Dial up the planning. Put Annex Wealth Management on your side for investment and retirement guidance that includes tax and estate planning. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Know the difference with a fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Amy Bremmer, a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management, is back. Hey, Amy. Hey, Danny. We've covered some interesting topics, my friend. Today's might be a little touchy, helping support adult children. You ready to dive in on this? Let's do it. All right. We're going to start with some stats about empty nesters. This is the moms and dads at home. 40% are helping support adult kids. The average monthly expenditure... $254. I don't care who you are. That's a sizable chunk.
8: Well, when you think about it month over month over month, that adds up to several thousand dollars a year. So most folks think that when they're empty nesters, meaning their kids moved out, their kids are off the payroll. But there's a lot of hidden expenses that are sticky, like the family cell phone plan. Some other folks help their kids out with rent groceries and student loan payments. A lot of, yeah, I see you wince your face, student loan payments. Those are really expensive. They're paused right now, but according to our source data here, that's the fourth biggest expenditure that parents help their kids out with.
1: Well, and wait till they start back up, right? Oh my gosh. Here's where we get into the uncomfortable spot, how to stop financially supporting adult children, because you need to.
8: Yeah, and this is such a tough one. I mean, this originally comes from a place of love. I mean, you you love your kids, you want to help them succeed, and you think throwing them a little bit of cash here and there's going to do that but it prevents them from living their own life and you know adulting you know hashtag adulting it's easier though to start little by little maybe ask those kids for their 30 bucks a month for their cell phone bill don't just cut them off cold turkey because that's going to be a huge fall for the kid to make up it's going to be expensive and difficult to overcome
1: i do see parents and cell phone bills back and forth with their kids or or different things. Now, I don't know if they're paying it, but it's happening. It's happening quite a bit.
8: My stepson pays my husband but we do it through our bank account. We all bank at the same bank, but we keep them on the plan because it's cheaper. We also have my father-in-law on our cell phone plan because it's cheaper. Now, collecting money from my father-in-law is a little bit, you know, here or there. He's not as reliable as my stepson.
1: You got a little Jenga game. Yeah, right. right? Sandwich
8: generation for sure.
1: (laughs) Now, before you think Amy is just some sort of big old meanie, (laughs) here's the meat and potatoes reasons. By supporting adult children, folks, you are affecting your own retirement. How's that work?
8: Yes. And it's the old adage of the flight attendants on the airplane, put your own mask on first before you help this person in the seat next to you. So a lot of this comes down to checking yourself first. How is your retirement fund going? Is it fully funded? Do you have your own credit card debt or your own car payments, things like that? A lot of times families who help their children put their own financial health at risk. I see it quite often here at Annex when we help families on a one-on-one basis.
1: Now, that's if the kids are in tough financial straits and you're able to do that. And if you're able to do that, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Probably a different conversation You're not helping your kids by stepping in and doing it.
8: It may be in the short term, like you said, if they're in a tough spot. But in the long term, those kids become dependent on that income from mom and dad. And it's not sustainable over time. Another example is when you have kids who are professionals and clearly have enough money to do it on their own, but it's really easy to show up at mom and dad's house, get the Costco card and go put gasoline on (laughs) your own, and mom and dad's dying.
1: Right, how about loans to adult children? Is it okay, maybe if there's enforceable terms in place, you've got something written out?
8: This is tricky, Danny, I'm really glad you brought it up. So loans, if it's just a verbal agreement, a little tricky, you want to write something down and have them sign a promissory note, even if it's a Word document that says, I promise to pay back mom and dad, 250 bucks a month, love, child. The challenge is if you charge interest or not. And this is where it gets a little tricky with the IRS. If you don't charge interest, On your tax return, there's something that's called imputed interest, which, again, gets really tricky. And so we would want to talk with families on a one-on-one basis to guide them through that process. But most people don't report these loans on their tax return anyway. Now you're just kind of running the dice if you're going to get an audit or not.
1: Adult children sometimes move in with parents, hopefully temporarily, should there be a rent agreement in place
8: that isn't you have some good questions today danny well done so it reminds me of an article i read several years ago on the internet of this 40 year old guy living with this folks and the guy would not move out I Mom remember. Had, yeah isn't <laughs> yeah. that nuts yeah they had to take their kid to court to legally evict him. So rental agreement, yeah, you know, take it on a case by case basis, but I mean, Garner, that was the extreme.
1: Well, it's gonna be more than the $254 too. I, I think I read when uh, somebody lives at your place, it's three, 400 bucks a month just because they're consuming stuff and using the washer dryer and energy and heat.
8: Yes. Yeah, there's definitely a a cost related to that. And if you can recoup some, it's a good agreement if your kids live at home because you can charge them less in rent that they'd pay at market. And then you can get a little bit extra cash on the side. So if you can come to a mutually beneficial arrangement, I don't see how that's a problem. But just don't have to evict your kid.
1: (laughs) Is this a place we step into with our clients?
8: A little bit. It's a little bit challenging to navigate those situations with families.
1: It's hard, but Amy has outlined the case to at least consider taking some necessary steps. We are ready to help with financial, retirement, tax, and estate planning. First stop, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Amy Bremer, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Good stuff. Thanks for joining us.
8: Always my pleasure, Danny.
0: If the only tool you have is a hammer, everything you fix looks like a nail. Same thing goes for some annuity salesmen. Need help with tax planning? Maybe you need an annuity. Recession coming? Have you tried an annuity? retirement planning you get the picture sometimes you need more than a one-tool solution it's time for serious fee-only fiduciary planning from annex wealth management our in-house team of experts will offer you a rigorously tested
1: plan built just for you annex wealth management know the difference back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 925 Fox News, Robert Chastain, branch director, wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management here in Southwest Florida getting ready for the new year. You got any plans for tonight?
9: Uh well, uh stay out of trouble <laughs> yeah. and be home early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> yeah. I got a feeling if we had
1: enough time we could tell a few stories, but we're not going to do that here. This is just a wisdom. Robert and uh, I, I'm I are, gonna plead. are exhibiting wisdom, so we're not going to I'm going to plead now. the fifth. Yeah, good idea. We're going to yes. talk about milestones. Like when you were 16, you got to start to drive. 18, you could vote. 21, many of us thought we were adults. Uh, milestones are important. And at the end of the year and facing 2024, let's talk about uh, some of the things that are milestones that, that matter. Retirement savers, age fifty is a significant milestone. And why is that, Robert?
9: Fifty is like a a big number to a lot of people. Psychologically, you look at it and go, Where am I? Where am I at and you know, on my goals or or have I not set the right goals? Is my plan in place? retirement's coming around the corner, you start really, you know, it starts coming into focus. Am I prepared? Am I not prepared? A lot of people take inventory. A lot of people need some help taking that inventory because if you still don't know what you don't know about retirement, the rules, the laws, the IRA accounts, the Roth accounts, everything, get some help then and 50s if you're going to retire at 65 you still got 15 years to recover if you need to okay let's talk about the next milestone how about 55 what happens then oh 55 comes fast after 50 you know it's, you know they say you know the time the clock moves faster even though it doesn't it yeah. feels like it if you have an option of a health savings account dump some money into it if you can that's it's triple advantage money it's tax free when it goes in it grows tax free and you get to pull it out tax free if you use it for a an approved healthcare expense so it's basically like getting a 30% or 25% off whatever your tax rate is it's a discount coupon that you get to use for any healthcare expense if you don't have one it's available please grab it But you don't have to wait to 55. At 55, you
1: can start pouring more in. There's there's catch-up contributions. You
9: can, yes. You have catch-up contributions, which hopefully your IRA plan, your... your your Roth plan, they they tell you about that. You're at your peak earning years, and the more that you can put in tax-free could lower your tax bracket. And then all of that money still, it's, a, it's an interest-free, tax-free loan. So take advantage of it as much as you can. Recovering
1: milestones, birthdays which signify opportunity. How about 60? Is that a milestone?
9: <laughs> So after 59 and a half, remember, if you decide to retire early, you can pull money out of your uh, IRAs penalty free. So the penalty goes away. At 60, there's survivor benefits for widows. You know, unfortunately, Southwest Florida, we we see some of that, you know, as 50 is a big milestone, so is 60. And Fortunately, I just had that one this month. And trust me when I tell you I'm taking inventory and making sure, you know, I have all my I's dotted, my T's crossed. You know, if something happened to me that my my wife and family are well taken care of.
1: Hey, as far as I'm concerned, 60 is the new 40. Covering milestones, Robert Chastain is branch director, wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management Southwest Florida. 62, there's a magic age. What happens then?
9: So 62, it's the earliest you can take Social Security, even though, although it's discounted, unless it's disability, 62 is the first point that you can draw it at a much reduced rate. But if you retire and you have tremendous amount of assets somewhere else, and maybe you have a shorter health outlook, all of those calculations go in if you do a plan with Annex that will try and pick the best time for you to pull from Social Security. Even though you can turn on Social Security at 62, if you don't have a plan, you might want to get one and let us run a bunch of different scenarios All right. Now we're to 65, an important milestone. 65 is really an important one. And the biggest thing that you cannot miss at 65 is signing up for Medicare. Make sure that three months before your birthday, fill out the paperwork, get it all in, you know, start looking at extra coverages or, you know, and that's something our experts can help you with. And it's, um, a lot of people find that very daunting because it's, It's a government program, and like our tax code, it's not all straight speak, as we like to say. So if you need help deciphering that, come see us. We're happy to talk about it. It can be complicated, but we
1: can cut through the clutter, and we'd love to help. We're ready with investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. We do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Just head to AnnexWealth.com, click that Get Started button. Robert Chastain, Branch Director, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management, Southwest Florida. Happy New Year, and thanks for joining us.
9: Happy New Year, everybody out there, Danny, and anyone that's listening, if you'd like to call me directly, you can reach me at 239-350-6363. Mistakes we make
1: during our lives, each decade, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. We're going to talk about that next on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News.
4: Losing sleep lately? The job, the house, the headlines, or investments? How about the feeling your investment partner isn't a partner at all? they might be operating in someone's best interest, but that someone isn't you. It's time for Annex Wealth Management. It's easy. Head to AnnexWealth.com, click the Get Started button. We work in your best interest as a fiduciary. That commitment runs so deep, we put it in writing. Does your advisor do that? Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Start at AnnexWealth.com.
1: Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management a team segment with Keith Butler, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Keith, welcome back. Oh, great to be here, Danny. Some of my best learning happens when I make mistakes, and there are plenty. (laughs) I spotted an article titled, The Biggest Money Mistakes by Decade, and it was about decisions we make or don't make during each decade of life. Keith, you've worked with a lot of clients. You've seen a lot of their behavior. Let's talk about each phase of those lives and see if we can find some way to avoid the mistakes, and we're going to flip it around to the positive, talk about how to properly handle these phases and the first one, and I guess this is really more on parents, we can blame our parents on this one, it happens during childhood, and that's when we miss opportunities to educate.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of emphasis these days is on financial literacy, and that can't start too early. I remember when I was a little kid, I just said, well, what do you mean you can't afford it? Just write a check. Eight years old or something, you don't know how it works. And teaching kids how it works, I think, is probably the biggest thing you can do you know, early on in life. And as you get into your teens, when all of a sudden you may start to get a job and just get your own checking account, but how does all of that work? You need to have the money to pay the credit card. All these things which seem
1: obvious after years and years of doing this aren't necessarily obvious at that age. Let's move to the 20s. And this is interesting because we were talking off air about one of the suggestions and it was choose a major with ROI, return on investment. You aren't
0: on board with that. I'm not. I think that there's been some notion, some movement, for lack of a better word, over time to equate colleges with trade schools. I think there's a a real value to a college education. And to take a little bit of a step back, and this, I guess, really has to start in the teens, not the 20s, as you're making this decision. Do more people than necessary go to college? And it's probably true. There are a lot of people who go to college that probably aren't that interested in it, and and maybe they think, I'm supposed to do it, those are my expectations. But I think there has to be a real honest reckoning with what are your talents, what are your interests? But for folks that can benefit from a college education, are interested in it, I think they pay dividends down the road that you can't really measure in dollars and cents. I'm not necessarily, Agreeing with the notion that you need to look at college as something where you get a return on the investment. If it's strictly a trade type school, then, then yes, of course. And also, as far as the debt coming out, that is something that also has to be reckoned with. And that may feed into the
1: decision of where you go to college. I know people in their 50s that are still carrying yeah. student debt. Yeah, That's a rough one talking about addressing money mistakes we make by decades. We're now into our 30s, and we're talking about misplaced spending. Fancy cars, boats, toys, mm-hmm. vacations, that's fine, uh, yeah. but you got to take Sounds care great. of the important stuff first.
0: Exactly. And this is where I'm going to take a little bit of a step back of why we're having this discussion all together, is we work with a lot of people. We work with high net worth folks, but we also work with ordinary people, if you will. I meet with these folks all the time when they're getting ready to do their financial plan. Can can we retire? That's the big question, Danny. Can we retire? And when the answer is yes, and they're thrilled, and I'm thrilled to be able to show this to them, is because they were setting themselves up decades in advance. And that's kind of the basis of this entire discussion. So when you get to the 30s, that's when it starts. Now, when we meet with some people that are in their 30s, doing their financial plan can get really speculative because you're talking about, you know, well, geez, what are you going to get in Social Security? Are you going to have a pinch? Well, truthfully, They'll probably change jobs a couple of times. You'll have some great things happen in your life. You'll have some challenges in your life between now and then. But it's starting to get that discipline, and that, I think, can really start in earnest. Even though you start in the beginning, in the 20s, as you mentioned, the 30s is when you really start to, to do that. Start to think ahead about, okay, let's get some discipline
1: with our 401k plan, with our saving and our investing. Let's roll into the 40s because it's kind of sort of the same story. Not yeah. enough saving and investing. And it's hard for a lot because your family is growing probably and there's lots of things to pay for. Exactly. And this is the
0: 40s are kind of the tweeners because in the 30s, it's incredibly speculative. On the 50s, you can see it. And in the 40s, that's that transition sure. period between where retirement is just bizarre concept for old people to, oh, wow, I need to start thinking about this. And yeah, it is a lot of the same issues as in the 30s. Your kids are getting older, they're getting more expensive, and then you kind of have to balance all of that with a good financial plan
1: and a realistic view of how much you can be spending. Talking about addressing money mistakes we make by decades with Keith Butler, a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management, into the 50s. Too much for the kids. Not enough for you. Yeah,
0: there you go. And that is when you should really start the plan in earnest because it's not as completely speculative. Now you have a better idea because if you've been doing these right things in your 30s and 40s, now you're starting to get a little bit of accumulation because 30s, it might be, well, Jesus, just... X dollars. That's that's not very much. No, but it multiplies and it multiplies. And then when you're 50s, like, oh my goodness, this is turning into something. So this is when you have to start weaning your kids off the the um, the dole, if the dole. You, so to speak, yeah. so to speak, if you possibly can. Again, everybody's circumstances are different. And if you're doing the right things for them, then now they're getting into there. And all the things we were talking about before of your mistakes, those are the things, the good advice that you should be imparting to them.
1: Into the 60s, when the finish line is kind of in view. Mm -hmm. Retirement planning fails, maybe not even planning at all.
0: Right. As I mentioned earlier, and we've talked about many times, the plan is all these things coming together. It's income, it's spending habits, the nature of your savings. So you want to make sure this is when you start thinking about risk management, okay? Because you can be very aggressive, you know, when you're younger because you have a long time frame again if you're doing things right and unless you know life throws you some bad curveballs you're not going to be relying on those savings right then and there and you can invest more aggressively because downturns like we've had this year you can withstand and come out just fine and then 70s and beyond you can't outrun inflation or right, debt right again another Always be looking at your risk tolerance and maybe you're dialing back the risk, especially if you have a plan that looks successful on paper, is successful. You don't necessarily need to run up the
1: score. And at that point in time, you don't necessarily need to take the risk. Keith, bottom line, get with Annex Wealth Management. No matter where you are on the journey, we can guide you to avoid some of these mistakes and get you pointed in the right direction. For investment, retirement planning, tax planning, estate planning, know the difference. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Start the wealth metric process. Keith Butler, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome, Dan. At Annex Wealth Management, we believe every portfolio tells a story. After all, we've analyzed thousands. Some reflect diligence and fortitude. Others, a mishmash of overlapping investments. When Annex reviews your portfolio, we spot what works, what might not, and then provide unbiased suggestions. Suggestions free from sales commissions. Every portfolio tells a story. Let's work on yours investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning as a fee only fiduciary. That's our story. Head to annexwealth.com. We're back on our year end show on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Very quickly, let me put a plug in for the Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast. We will be here Monday at 7 a.m. to recap 2023, look at 2024. Hope you can join us for that. I'm Danny Clayton. Dr. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist, is here. Dave our President and CEO.
2: Yeah, thanks, Danny. We had uh, not enough time in the first half of the show to talk about all of the things yeah. that were market moving throughout the year. And you know, I know there's some stories that we're just not going to get to. We did talk about from strikes to mm-hmm. hikes. And of course, the strikes that we did talk about were more about Hollywood than they were about the UAW strike, which was a big story.
3: It really was, as far as the United Auto Workers, really, uh, it was unique, the approach that they took to the strike as far as going after the three uh, big automakers at once, but almost like this rolling strike. So it wasn't like everybody went on strike at once. It was just enough to disrupt production. And there were some concerns about whether or not that was going to really hobble the economy. Uh, Manufacturing has spent a good chunk of the last year, year and a half in a recession. And all of a sudden, if you have a strike, does that prolong it? Does it make it worse as well? Now, thankfully they came to an agreement but when we looked at the automakers in general it did seem as though it affected the economic data in the latter part of the summer so they went on strike basically in September it affected the October economic numbers but we got a really good bounce back in November when it came to manufacturing production so it's almost like they went on strike but when they came back boy did they really just sort of like you know put it into full gear
2: and speaking about uh, having a disagreement and then finally coming to an agreement the circus and the the House was a big story, you know. For I mean, it was the lead story almost every day. Yeah,
3: and that unfortunately was the story all year. If you remember back in January, was uh, and then House Speaker McCarthy. I think it was like 15 rounds of voting that right. it took for him to actually get the speaker's position. That was a record. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, he struck a deal in terms of lifting the debt ceiling, and then he was uh, let go. Uh, there was that vote of no confidence, or he was. Removed from the speakership in October, then it took a while for the new speaker to really get seated, and it's just been going from almost one crisis to the next, which is maybe a kind of an interesting uh, prelude of what we can expect as far as for next year. But right. uh, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Yeah, we're
2: going to talk about 2024 in just a second, but of course the story, of course, talked about crises, and that really moved to October 7th when Hamas invades Israel, and it was one more unrest that we began to see in. And obviously what has happened from that it continues and we talked about just the other day the red sea
3: yeah the red sea is a very important area as far as its connection to the suez canal where a lot of the trade that goes between asia and europe has to go through that area and uh, when hamas attacked israel on october 7th there was some worry about whether or not it would spread and what it might mean for right. oil prices uh it does seem that it has spread because now we actually have some attacks on ships uh, going through the Red Sea. The United States has worked with a number of allies to try to provide right. some protection there, but it still really is hit or miss as far as well, the it's extent. funny that
2: you say that hit or miss because it's yeah. like Battleship. You remember the game back yes. in, yeah. in the day and, you know, they're trying to hit the USS Kearney and the Mason. They did get support from other countries, but it is hit and miss. You've missed my battleship, and that's happening every day in the Red Sea, yep. which is causing concern, for example, to energy.
3: It is, yep, because of a lot of the flow of energy through there. And so we've actually seen energy prices on quite a roller coaster. It went very high up in July with OPEC production cuts. Then it came back down, and now it has begun to rebound again. And so this type of volatility, it's uh, really evident at the pump, which affects people's perception right. about inflation when you look at the gasoline prices as far as the roller coaster that those have been on. As and let's well. just
2: stay on energy just for a second. You know, there could be another pipeline incident in Russia. We do know what's happening in the Red Sea, of course, the unrest in Israel. And, you know, here's a story that's brewing is Venezuela is talking about trying to seize part of Guyana.
3: I know. Yeah. Venezuela trying to seize that. And then also Brazil entering OPEC in 2024, but then Angola exiting OPEC. Right. So lots of uh, unrest
2: as far as with these big energy producers. And so let's talk about what we're going to do in 2024. And we're going to spend this last segment, uh, folks, so stick around. But what 2024 could look like. And, you know, Wall Street has a lot of ladies running around, and one of them was... Tina Fomo, you know, there is the, <laughs> there is no alternative and fear of missing out. You know, that was yeah. a story, and so a lot of money ran in. And I think the story is now that there's going to be a new lady around, and that is Rosie Scenario. And that is, of course, what's going to okay. happen in 2024. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Lots to look forward to.
1: Didn't she turn you down for prom? <laughs> she, did, <laughs> she, she did. She was a lot of fun. That's Dave Spano, our president and CEO. Dr. Brian Jacobson is our chief economist. What Annex Wealth Management does is fiduciary advice, comprehensive strategies, empowering education, and we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. We would love to do it for you in 2024. This past year, wow, what a story, and we've been reviewing it so far. What do you think next year is going to be? It's really hard to predict. Head to AnnexWealth.com, click that Get Started button. Up next on our year-end show, a look at 2024. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. In a recent study, over one-third of millionaires predicted their ability to feel financially secure in retirement is going to take a miracle. At Annex Wealth Management, we believe a plan, not a miracle, will help increase your retirement confidence. Our team of experts gets to work using leading-edge technology to build a comprehensive plan covering investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. And Annex doesn't have products to push with hidden fees or commissions. There's too much of that already. More planning, less miracles. Build confidence with Annex Wealth Management. AnnexWealth.com. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. I'm Danny Clayton, Dr. Brian Jacobson. Our chief economist is here. Dave Spano, president and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. Our year-end show, and we are at 2024.
2: Yeah, we're looking forward. And of course, the newest lady, running around Wall Street is Rosie's scenario because so many people, Brian, are looking for a positive expectation in 2024. Now that could be met with a little bit of dour news, but I think we're going to start off a little bit rocky. But as Mm -hmm. we go into an election year, that's generally a good thing.
3: Yeah, that's our expectation is just looking at some of the patterns from the past is that in an election year, it is more often than not a positive year for the markets. And interestingly, when you break it down by month, it's usually the end. So after you get through that election, and so as, as Todd Voigt, our chief investment strategist, has oftentimes reminded us is that with an election, you have a date certain, you mm-hmm. know, when this uncertainty is going to be resolved, it's going to be in November. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> well, that's yeah. true. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think a couple years ago, that was tested a little right. bit. But, uh, you know, it, with the campaigning, I think that it's really going to be important for investors not to get their personal policy. Politics really reflected in their portfolios, right? That's one thing that we really try to work on is trying to focus more on what are policies, not right. parties, and also not to have the politics infect the portfolios. And
2: it, that has happened. You know, we've been doing this for a long time and people do invest their politics and that is often dangerous. I can tell you for, for years, you know, when this president gets in, the world's going to end or this president gets in and things are going to go to hell in a handbasket. Yep. It really comes down to do the companies that we watch, do they increase their sales? Do they increase their profitability? And speaking of that, interest rates are a big part of that, and they have headed back to normal.
3: They have, yeah. We are on this long off-ramp towards normal, where the Fed has hiked rates to between 5.25 and 5.5% for its target. The Fed has indicated that by the end of 2024, it thinks that it can cut rates by about, uh, let's say, down to around, um, you know, four and a half, maybe four and a quarter percent. One of the issues that that we have on our investment committee is that the market seems to be a little bit too excited about rate mm-hmm. cuts, about how many we might get. So instead of And three, does the
2: Fed react to the market or is the market reacting to the Fed? And yeah. I think it's the other way around.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and the market has really now said, hey, six rate cuts in 2024. The Fed is insisting it's probably three. Maybe we need to split the difference. Right. But in that tug of war between the Fed and the market, uh, that does oftentimes bring volatility to the market.
2: I'll tell you a really positive part of this is when the interest rates went back up. Remember, you used to have to walk into a bank and see your CD rates that began with a decimal point. Well, they got up to five percent, and so savers were rewarded, Mm -hmm. and that meant that a lot of money went on the sidelines. As much as three trillion dollars is sitting on the sidelines, which may find its way back into the equities market. That
3: is one of our expectations: is that with so many people who have been sitting on the sidelines, that they are likely trying to reallocate as we go into the new year, that that should provide hopefully some support to the broader equity markets. Uh, There are obviously all sorts of worries still on the horizon. It's why bull markets climb a wall of worry. There's always something to worry about, but we do think that if the Fed is going to not be uh, reactive to weakening economic data where it's reacting to lower inflation, that could be a positive for the overall yield, not just for equities, but even for fixed income.
2: You know, and the story, of course, that uh, we just got pounded into oblivion was inflation. I mean, every ad that you heard yeah. from HVAC to Windows to everything else was talking about inflation. We were talking about inflation yeah. and it does look like the Fed has got that under control.
3: Yes. Yeah. We do expect that we are going to get towards the Fed's 2% target. And I think it's important for investors, to remember that lower inflation doesn't require lower prices. It just requires them to stop rising so quickly. So don't expect that you're going to see the price of milk, the price of haircuts. Don't expect to see those decline as inflation goes down, because that's not what
2: lower inflation means. It just means that they will stop rising so quickly. Rate of
3: change. Exactly
2: right. And of course, as we look into the rest of the year, there's a lot of opportunity that cash coming back in, perhaps avoiding the recession altogether with positive GDP, interest rates coming back down. It is setting up a positive scenario, but you've got to be aligned correctly. And that really starts with knowing how your portfolio is positioned. And that is really what people should do at the end of the year right now.
3: Yeah, it's a great opportunity to really take stock and maybe make that New Year's resolution to contact us to do that portfolio review. Is is it positioned in a way that's aligned with your longer-term financial goals? Because too many people are so myopic and focused on the short-term ups and downs and they're afraid that they missed the 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 short-term moves that they really miss out on those long-term opportunities.
2: So 2023, folks, was a good year. I hope that it was fine in your family as well. We appreciate the opportunity to talk to everybody on a weekly basis. We appreciate especially our clients. Danny, thank you for everything you did this year. It was a phenomenal year.
1: I appreciate it. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist, thank you. Thank you. Dave, thanks for your leadership. Appreciate it. Happy New Year, everybody. Better financial habits in 2024. Maybe that's what you need. We'll be your partner. We'll get things done. You can make this re- solution happen, it's AnnexWealth.com. That is the place. Click that Get Started button. Have a great week. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News.